Hey, everyone. So we're doing something a little bit different this week. Before we jump into the episode, I just wanted to let you know that this particular episode is a part of an ongoing series that I'm doing with Erica from Cocktails and Capitalism over on Patreon. So if you like this episode, I just want you to know that there are two others and there will be extra episodes within this series every two weeks over on Patreon. I hope you like this episode. And if you do, head over to Patreon now to see the rest of them. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to this ongoing segment that we are doing here on Patreon exclusively between myself, Desmond Price of Independent Thought, and Erica, the host of Cocktails and Capitalism. Erica, have we thought of a name for this yet? We have not, but we should. It's almost like its own little podcast, you know? Yeah, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm starting to group. think that we should have some kind of name for this or, you know, like... Uh, we'll we'll throw it to everyone else. You know, we'll we'll figure this yeah. out another day, or maybe do a poll online or something. But oh, that'd be interesting. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, like, as with the last time, you know, we are having, you know, we are bringing extra content to you exclusively because we agreed before that we don't have enough exclusive content for our Patreon members. So as with before, we are going to be doing each an article that we found in the news this past week, talking a little bit more about it, something that we didn't talk about, you know, like on our page or on our podcast, so on and so forth. Uh, so for me, I'm going to go first. And the article that I have is coming out of the Des Moines Register. And it is titled The Good and the Bad of the Iowa's Bill That Would Bring Big Changes to Child Labor Laws. Now, this article Ooh. is a little short. So I'm just going to read it all to you. So it's going to take me about like, you know, a minute and a half or so here, but we're going to talk about why this bill really kind of caught my attention afterwards. So this new bill being introduced into the Ohio, Iowa legislature would rewrite the child labor laws allowed to, uh, to allow teens to work in previously prohibited jobs as long as they're a part of an approved training program. Okay. <laughs> so basically how this works is that in this entirely new section, the bill would allow that Iowa workforce development and state of education heads to make exceptions for any of the prohibited jobs for teens 14 to 17, participating in work-based learning or school or an employer-administered work-related programs. And so that would include things like uh, driving metal forming, uh, punching or shearing machines, operating band or circular saws, guillotine shears or paper bales, or being involved in roofing operations or demolition work. Wait, that's the stuff that they can't can't do. That's stuff they can't do. But under this new law, they can as long as they get an exception. Oh, they, they can. Oh, fuck. I didn't realize those were included now. What? Yes. So basically how this law works is that anything that was previously off the table is now on the table as long as you get permission. Yeah. It says that those asking for exceptions must demonstrate that the activity will be performed under adequate supervision and training, that the training includes adequate safety precautions, and that the terms and conditions of the proposed employment will not interfere with the health, well-being, or schooling of the minor enrolled in an approved program. Also, here's the kicker. 
The bill exempts businesses from civil liability if a student is sickened, injured, or killed due to the company's negligence. A business would be free of civil liability if a student is hurt because of the team's negligence on the job or is injured traveling to or from work. A company could face fines up to $10,000 for violations violations under the bill, but the state's labor commissioner could reduce or even waive that penalty. The bill, in addition, would allow 16 and 17-year-olds with written permission of a parent legal um, guardian to serve alcohol to people who are drinking uh, on the premises of a building. It would... This is a poorly written article. It would it would some children <laughs> under 16 to drive themselves to work based programs. The Iowa Department of Transportation says online a student must be 14 and a half years old to obtain a special driver's license. It would let kids under 16 work until 9 p.m. instead of 7 p.m., which is the current state. And quitting yeah. time would be extended to 11 p.m. from June 1st through Labor Day. So. God. That that's, is so dark. <laughs> that's the but, article here. Um, do you do you want me to go first? Do you or do you want to give me your thoughts really quickly on this? I I mean I guess I'll, I'll just respond. It's just it's just so freaking wild to me that like we are going so far back into history that we're like undermining child labor laws, like the things that made it so that little kids weren't getting their limbs ripped off and their fingers fucking chopped off while they were working in factories until the middle of the night and then you know like yeah and the fact that like they can work now till nine of course that's gonna disrupt your school like uh and the fact that (laughs) they can drive you know at, at, at like 14 and a half drive themselves to work that's like dangerous as fuck. I don't want to be on the road with a 14 and a half year old driving to work early in the morning. Oh God. It's, it's just such a mind blowing piece. I'm really glad you brought this to my attention. Cause I didn't, I didn't know about this stuff. It's it is appalling. absolutely crazy to me um, to, to see some of this stuff going on because, you know, let, let's just call it what in the room. First of all, let's address what the objections would be. The objections mm-hmm. would be that, Oh, well, this is they're coming into a training program. So they're going to be trained better. And also they're going to have permission from their parent or legal guardian. So what's the real issue here? Those are the objections that are going to come from the Republicans, from people who are reading this. They're just like, oh, you know, like, what's the issue here? The issue is you can make that argument for a child at any age. Yeah, truly, truly. If you yeah. if you really like took it, take it to its logical conclusion, you could make that argument for a child at any age. What's to stop yeah. you from having that argument from a child who's eight years old? Yeah, they have. They're in a training program. They're getting yeah. permission <laughs> from their parent. What's the issue? You, we know why these child labor laws were put into place. We agreed a long time ago that there were certain jobs that should not be performed by children. The mm-hmm. end. That's why we put them in place. So I've moved away from the like draconian ideas that we had a century ago of having children working in factories that were dangerous. And now we're going backwards. On one hand, it feels like the Republican Party in some of these states is just seeing what they can get away with. You know, that sort of really feels like it feels like they're just like, let's just they're just throwing things against the wall and seeing what sticks. Right. Oh God. You know, and what it really goes to, if you go even further than this, I have to ask myself, why do laws like this get created in the first place? What's the motivation? And the motivation is obvious, right? At the end of the day, 
the Republican Party has always and will always work for the corporations and the large and the large businesses first and foremost. That's who their constituency is. They are mm-hmm. seeing a reduction in the labor force in this country for various reasons. And due to that fact, instead of paying people more, that's not enticing to them. These people only know one word that matters to them, and that word is more. And so they can't get more by paying people more. So they got to find a workforce that will work for less. And who works for less? Children. Really well put. It's It's dark dark. and it's so disgusting, but it is what it is. Because when you really think about it, legislation like this isn't on accident and it's always Mm -hmm. for a reason. So what's the reason? You know, do we really need children working in factories? I guess you do if you don't want to pay adults more. Oh God. Oh God. I mean, you're, you're anti-capitalist reading of this, which I mean, you don't have to be an anti-capitalist to think this is despicable, but man, yeah, you're hitting all the fucking points. Uh, I don't know. It's so depressing. Yeah. It's, it's absolutely incredible to me. And what it really is when I'm looking at these state legislatures across the country right now, especially in these red States, we are seeing, you know, I think we are seeing a time period where the wealthy in this country are trying to just basically go into these state houses and see what sticks because mm-hmm. they want nothing more than to find ways to you know continuously increase their wealth. And they're seeing people demanding, you know, like raises on a national level. We're seeing people, you know, standing up for themselves and, you know, a lot of different like worker empowerment movements. We're seeing people join more labor unions and (laughs) they don't like that. And so they're trying to shift the narrative the best that they can. And it's really bothersome to me because it feels like something like this is just going to get swept underneath the rug, right? Like this is going to be a story that not too many people are talking about because we're caught up talking about whatever Trump's going to be doing, whatever Biden's going to be doing. We're about to enter another presidential election cycle. And yeah. these are the things that, you know, not just this, but like this is like one of the many bills that are going to have truly like hor- horrific consequences for people. Because I'm sure that if Iowa does pass this bill, they're not going to be the only state to pass this bill. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. always a domino effect with these things. Oh, totally. So it's like, it's like, oh yeah, Iowa's just doing it. It's just Iowa. Well then, well, then it's just Missouri and then it's just Georgia yeah. and then it's just Oklahoma and then it's just Arizona. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's never just one state. Totally. And especially with these really, um, yeah, really dark, cynical uh, agendas, you know, like with the anti-trans bills with, yes. you know, uh, th- things like that, where it's just, it's just, sweeping the country moving from place to place and once you once one state makes it work other people other republicans in other states are like oh we can do this here no problem (laughs) so and i mean it kind of does connect with the article that i'm going to be talking about in a bit um in that it's just it's one of these like it's not quite spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks thing but like they're they're like a b testing they're testing things out and seeing what will work and what the population will tolerate you know yeah Um, well and and if no one's talking about this then no one's going to have any objections you know i have heard nothing about it online or elsewhere which is crazy you know that's you know i think i'm gonna wrap up how i feel about this just with this final like piece here but just looking at the different state legislatures that are in session right now, this is 
part of my motivation for wanting to do this segment with you is mm-hmm. that there are so many stories like this happening right now. Mm-hmm. And as a person who currently is doing everything with independent thought, just like by themselves, I get overwhelmed because I feel like I can't talk about everything. Mm-hmm. And so I always feel yeah. guilty for the stories that are being left on the table because there's so <laughs> many important things that are going on right now. I can't yeah. cover them all, but that yeah. doesn't mean that like important things aren't happening. And this is just one of many. I mean, More Perfect Union, for instance, they on Twitter, they are relentlessly pumping out stories like this, relentlessly. Mm-hmm. And I wish I could cover them all the way that they yeah. do, but I don't have a team the way they do. So... <laughs> But totally. yeah, you know, truly, and, and this is going to be the, one of the last parts about this here. I'm going to be uh, sending at minimum 10 stories that I've been finding throughout the week. I'm going to be posting those articles onto Patreon once mm-hmm. a week going forward. I'm not going to be giving mm-hmm. too like too much analysis on them, maybe just like a couple sentences about each article. But I hope that in some small way that can kind of help with this issue here, because I think more people need to be aware of the fact that these bills aren't isolated they're coming in like Mm. a there's like an avalanche of them right now we really need to be paying attention to them well that's great and that's a a great thing to be offering to other people that kind of i don't know um just glance into all these different issues that are just blowing by us and you can't you don't have enough time or energy to pay attention to them right i mean i i definitely think that like these are the kind of stories that it's just ridiculous that people aren't talking about them and and like maybe something that we could do as well is ask our follower supporters like send in an article or like do a post saying like what's an article that you've come across lately that no one's talking about that you know we should talk about on the show you know absolutely it's like crowdsourcing that kind of shit where you're like getting suggestions from people other people have their eyes on (laughs) you know we can't read through everything we can't read through every single you know journal or whatever um so if if other people can help us with that that would be really cool too absolutely 100 percent cosign on that (laughs) yeah cool (laughs) i love that erica do you want to give us your article for the week sure yeah Indie Thought listeners. Has this past year helped you rediscover your creative and crafty side? Well, then you're going to love our sponsor for today's episode. Bathing Beauties Beads is a full-service bead shop in the heart of downtown Missoula. Whether it's seed beads, semi-precious stones, vintage beads, or just materials to make a project, they have something for every person and every price range. Not from Missoula? Don't worry. They have an extensive online store and they will ship directly to you. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, they'll welcome you and help you make your next project a reality. You can find them online at Bathing Beauties Beads on Instagram and Facebook or at bathingbeautiesbeads.com. And don't forget to use offer code INDEPENDENTTHOUGHT at checkout to save 15% on your order. Betty's Divine is a locally owned boutique on the magnificent hip strip in downtown Missoula, Montana that has been a fixture in the Mountain West since 2005. We have a fondness for vintage inspired clothing, shoes and accessories for humans, as well as the real deal found in our vintage department, Divine Trash. 
Betty's Divine presents a snapshot of Northwest styles with an emphasis on street, skate, surf, and rock and roll culture, as well as Americana classics. Alongside a radical selection of clothing, Betty's Divine offers a damn fine array of shoes, jewelry, records, and accessories to satisfy any taste, whatever your age or vibe. You can count on us to prioritize financial, social, and environmental responsibility without sacrificing the look. Visitors enjoy a lovely atmosphere, dreamy tunes, and the best customer service in the West. And you can shop us online at bettysdivine.com. So um, my article this week is by Stephen Donziger who is actually going to be recording with me next week. I I finally set this up. (laughs) Thank you. This has been like two years of me, like trying to set up an interview with him and digging into his story so deeply. Um, Steven Donziger, just to give folks a little bit of context here, is the lawyer who has been battling Chevron uh, for their just absolute devastation of of the rainforest down in Ecuador and the indigenous tribes that live around these drill sites where they just dumped billions of gallons of toxic wastewater into the soil, poisoning people, killing thousands of people, poisoning the the ecosystem. Um, So Donziger has been trying to, he actually won this massive case against Chevron billions of dollars to these indigenous people and and um, local farmers down there and but chevron's been skirting all accountability and has not paid that so he's been battling with them they actually um, rigged up a corporate prosecution basically that ended him like he actually had to go to prison for a little while he was under house arrest for a while and people are calling it the first uh, corporate prosecution in u.s history so it's like massively massively important he's a brilliant guy so anyway he's been paying attention to the cop city protests um the defend defend the atlanta uh, defend the atlanta forest protests um and so he wrote an article titled environmentalist manuel esteban paez Tehran's death is part of a disturbing trend um so basically what he's saying is that there's this dangerous trend of u.s law enforcement law enforcement attacking climate leaders and ramping up the tactics that they use to kind of repress these these um environmental movements and uh, you know forest defenders climate protesters you know uh, across the board um and so we see in Atlanta that after with all these people that have been have gone to the forest have been occupying the forest to try to protect it from being leveled to build this massive police training center that will be um, the biggest of its kind in the U.S. Um, and that will train not only U.S. police, but internationally some police and uh, work with the Israeli police and everything. So um, so he this sorry, I kind of lost my train of thought. Um, but so the protesters there um, have been one protester was shot and killed by law enforcement. And in addition to that, there have been 19 protesters that engaged in civil disobedience who have been charged with domestic terrorism. That's huge. It comes with, I believe, a 30 or 35 year sentence potentially. Um, and you know, this is kind of a 
this is a huge ramping up. Um, I, I still need to go back and kind of dig through some of the history of the use of domestic terrorism. Um, but actually charging climate defenders, actually charging environmental activists with that is, I believe, a new new strategy that the U.S. government is using um, to really crush these protests, which is horrible because, like, the climate is heating up. The, you know, the planet is being devastated by fossil fuel companies. Meanwhile, fossil fuel companies are pouring so much money into police departments. They are just they know what's around the corner. They know that in a few years, there is going to be massive protests that people are going to be wanting to hold them uh, accountable for devastating our whole fucking planetary ecosystem. And they're they're you know, they've known for a long time that they were doing that. They hid that evidence. Now they're funding the police in in anticipation of what will happen in the future. So these uh, this crackdown you know, the the killing of one protester and the, you know, trying to basically intimidate the other protesters to not engage by slapping them with these huge charges. I mean, this is um, this is a has a chilling effect on the whole climate movement and on activism within the U.S. more generally. So yeah. this is terrifying in that regard. Like, I'm so, so upset that this is the state of, um, you know, we this is a country built on civil disobedience and, and direct action and, and, you know, these being able to speak truth to power, um, you know, have protests. That's our, our right. And still like now we are seeing that people cannot do this without fear of having their rights stripped away, being locked up. Um, Jessica Resnicek, who, Stephen Donzinger has been kind of covering her story for a while, but she is a protester who um, actually kind of vandalized a pipeline, and she's been in prison for a few years now um, with on domestic terrorism charges. Uh, I think she got a total of eight years, and um, you know she's a she's a Catholic, I believe. Um, you know she's she has like religious motivation for doing her, you know, for defending the climate and the planet um yeah. and she they, they just used the as the full extent of the law to try to crush what she was doing and scare other people away from doing the same thing so um that's you know that was before these 19 people that have been charged in atlanta um so we're just seeing the the growth of that strategy yeah um and I, I think it's just incredibly significant, and especially given the fact that like climate activists around the world are under attack by governments around the world, you know, yeah. and um, Global Witness said has reported that 1,700 climate activists have actually been executed around the world uh, for engaging in protest. <laughs> so this so. And and Donziger brings up in this article, like, we thought this couldn't happen here. And yet we see Manuel Tehran ha has just been killed. They say that he had a gun and that he shot at them. But now not all the evidence coming out is showing, of course, that he, he, he th there was friendly fire and not him shooting at the police officers. So 
Um, sorry, I'm kind of scattered. This is just like my brain has been going in a thousand directions with the story. So. No, there's a lot um, of information here. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, Do you want to respond to any of that? Yeah, you know, you know, I, I have a few questions. Honestly, the first yeah. one is this domestic terrorism charge. How did they decide that that was an appropriate charge? Do you know that offhand? And how much was the sentence again? Um, I believe the sentence can be. It's either 30 or 35 years um, maximum. Okay. Um, and what the... exactly did they do in order to receive <laughs> this charge? Good question. Um, so for one of the protesters, the, I think the Takab authorities um, in the in their official documents about what the protesters were doing, they say one of them was charged with domestic terrorism for occupying a treehouse and posting on social media occupying a treehouse and post posting on social media fucking insane i would okay. I, like that's that's so not far from okay. what i've been doing i've been posting about all this shit you know <laughs> so i'm actually after reading about this worried more about my podcast <laughs> okay um, i i got some thoughts here um yeah yeah first of all whenever we're having these conversations for those who are listening I know that sometimes it feels like there is just this like this absolute cascade of negativity in our world. And it feels like that yeah. we can't do anything about it. I legitimately do not believe that is true. You know, there, I mean, we might not be able to do everything we want to do, but don't hear stories like this and think that there's nothing that we can do or that your voice doesn't matter in the situation. Speaking up about this stuff online, on one hand, it might feel like a slight virtue signal. But on the other hand, it really does matter. You know, the more that people talk about any issue, the less like the less hiding people can do in regards to trying to pretend like it's not happening or trying yeah. to normalize something or, you know, like letting people just get away with these atrocities. Think about what we're hearing right now. 35 years for sitting in it. Like we all know that that's crazy, but like, let's put this into perspective. That's less time than someone got for going into the Capitol on January 6th. Or that's way more time, way more time. Yeah. I'm so, sorry. That's way more time than someone got, yeah. you know. Yeah. And then also totally. Derek Chauvin, person who killed George Floyd, received less time for that, for putting his oh. knee on someone's neck, taking his life. He got, what, 22 years in jail, possibility of only serving 15 years in jail. Oh, my God. Yeah, and, and I'm sure, you know, I could probably go down the list right now and show you the list of like how many people in our justice system get less years for a crime far more sinister. So what does that really tell you? The first thing I want to say here is that people have this assumption that everyone in the government is just an idiot. I'm like, oh, the government's run by a bunch of idiots. They don't know what they're doing. That's why they're so incompetent. I think that that's a clever lie to sort the truth. I think they know exactly what they're doing and that makes it all the more sinister because you are essentially doling out a punishment like this because you are setting the tone for what you're going to do in the future. Mm -hmm. You so do not want anyone to ever think that they can challenge the police in any way, shape or form. And to mm -hmm. do that, you level this penalty. You are telling yeah. everyone that this is what you can expect too if you challenge the police and it doesn't matter what you're challenging them for. Yeah. When you think about that, yeah. sitting in a treehouse, like this mm -hmm. shouldn't even be a controversy. You know, I mean, how many people think about, think about how many people, you know, are 
have property in a place. This is actually going on right now. We have, we're trying to electrify our grid, for instance. Mm -hmm. And there are people who are refusing to sell their land so that new towers can be built across the country in an effort to modernize our electrical grid. Mm -hmm. Now, these people are also in a way defying the government, but nothing bad <laughs> is happening to them. You know, so yeah. like, you know, it's it's really interesting where where governments draw the line about like where you're allowed to defy them and where they're mm -hmm. where you're not allowed to defy them. And apparently, occupying a treehouse in a forest so that a police center can't be built that is the highest crime apparently that we could ever commit. Unreal. Well, yeah, really fucking unreal. And I think the reason why is that this is this has huge corporate backing for this project yeah. it is something that that capitalists want very badly because you know the same kind of same story like they know that like there will be uprisings in the future and they know they they want to protect themselves like the very beginnings of the police you know creating these forces to defend their corporate property um it's still happening now and it's taking, you know, even more vicious forms in some ways. Um, I I wanted to bring up that I, I read the second article because I started just kind of going down a rabbit hole with this one um, from the ACLU called How the U.S. Patriot Act Redefines Domestic Terrorism. Oh, so it ties kinda... back into the first one to our yeah. first episode. Here we are. Full totally. Circle. <laughs> Full circle. Um, so the Patriot Act expanded the definition of terrorism to cover domestic as well as international. So now a person engages in domestic terrorism if they do an act that is, quote, dangerous to human life, that is a violation of the criminal laws of a state or the United States, if the act appears to be intended to, one, intimidate or coerce, or coerce a civilian population, two, influence the policy of a government by intimidation or, or coercion, or three, affect the conduct of a government by mass destruction, assassination, or kidnapping. So, um, and Jessica Reznicek's case, yeah, she, they, they gave her the domestic terrorism uh, charge because her, by vandalizing a pipeline, supposedly, she was trying to influence the policy of a government by intimidation or coercion. <laughs> just like, so she is, she is a domestic terrorist. Like we do things all the time to try to influence the government and stuff. Like it, That's such a loosely defined thing. Like you could, def totally. you could use that definition for anything. Absolutely. I mean, truly, and I mean, anything could be considered a form of intimidation, but underneath that route, I mean, if sitting in a treehouse, then how is like not sitting on a sidewalk in front of a building having like a sit-in? Like, how is that not trying to coerce, you know, or intimidate, you know, whomever? It, it's totally. just, it is totally. one more instance of the government in our recent lives just trying to roll back rights. Mm -hmm. It is a relentless, like, just think about it. Whether you're talking about this, expanding the definitions of, of domestic terrorism or how they in Florida, for instance, have they been trying to sign these these anti-protest bills, which they're oh, you know, yeah. they're trying to target it to like rioting, but it's basically taking people's ability to protest away from them, you know, in certain areas yeah. more than others. But it's just like I think it's just one step in that direction. 
last week talking about government surveillance, rolling back your rights yeah. there, yeah, having less and less reasons for why you would need uh, or you know why the government can just like spy on you without a warrant. You know, just <laughs> go down the list. These things are happening all over the place. You're now hearing about Republicans talking about wanting to get rid of the public school system altogether. You know, like they're talking about wanting to get rid of Social Security, talking about wanting to get rid of yeah. Medicare. You know, like it's yeah. just like, honestly, we could probably spend an entire episode talking about all the different rights that people are trying to take away from everyday mm -hmm. normal people again and again and again. And they're not meeting enough resistance. They're really yeah. not like this yeah. should never be OK. Charging someone for domestic terrorism, for sitting in a forest. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I mean, that, that is crazy. Like that charge would be harsh if it was like for breaking in the White House. I mean, yeah. you know, but like yeah. at that point, you might have a more valid argument like, oh, this person broke into the White House. We gave him 30 years in jail. Okay. But like, yeah. we're talking about sitting in a damn forest. Like what, yeah. like, how is this not like, it should be outrage from everyone, but it's also a news story that's being suppressed, you know, yeah. quite a bit. It's mm -hmm. gotten a lot of coverage, thankfully. I mean, I even saw the Daily Show go down there, which that was great. <laughs> but totally. honestly, I mean, this story deserves to be covered a lot more than it is. And thank you for you know doing an episode on it, posting about it several times now. It definitely needs to have a larger platform. I feel like kind of a broken record about it because I'm just like, this is so huge, guys. And like, no, like, yeah, the big agencies are starting to pick, pick it up a little bit more yeah. only because of the death of a protester. But- you know, this, we need to be amplifying the story as much as we can, especially as Instagram crushes engagement on posts about Cop City. <laughs> like, I think that's, that's kind of maybe fucking with my page a lot right now, because I kind of am just on that kick. And I just want to keep, you know, shining light on the developments, like, you know, one of the newer developments, like um, the body camera footage that was released, you hear the officers saying, oh, so we fucked our own officer up right after they shot and killed Manuel Tehran. So it's it's clearly a cover up of a friendly fire incident that happened yeah. while they were executing a protester. Um, and then they planted a gun, <laughs> you know, so. Uh, Which they never do. Oh, yeah, that never happens. Yeah. No, no they, they wouldn't do that. <laughs> they wouldn't. No. Yeah. <laughs> but uh oh, another related note though you're talking about this escalation yeah um so the definition of, i'm reading from the article here from the aclu the definition of domestic terrorism is broad enough to encompass the activities of several prominent activist campaigns and organizations greenpeace operation rescue vacas vacas i don't know how to say it vacas island and WTO protesters and the Environmental Liberation Front have all recently engaged in activities that could subject them to being investigated as engaging in domestic terrorism. So these are wow. major orgs, you know? Yeah. And and the Patriot Act, this seizure of assets clause, section 806, says that um, the act could result in the civil seizure of assets without a prior hearing and without ever being convicted of a crime if you are just involved um in any way and this could be you are just amplifying uh you're an, a nonprofit organization that is helping the protesters 
is feeding the protesters. You're a church that's feeding the protesters. You can have all of your assets seized and you don't even have to be charged with a crime <laughs> or convicted of a crime. You you can you won't get a hearing and they can just go in and take things from you and and then you can't you and you don't have any right to a lawyer to they won't give you a, a public defender. You have to pay for defense yourself. So this is designed to bankrupt organizations that are supporting groups that are in, you know, engaged in whatever they want to call domestic terrorism, whatever that you know is going to be used, applied to. Um, it's not yeah. good. <laughs> and it's not uh, going to be the right. You know, <laughs> I just want to I want to make one more point about this yeah. because it is boggling my mind here. Yeah. So let's remind it. This is coming down from the federal government, correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for those listening at home, I want to remind everybody that the president currently is Joe Biden and he's a Democrat. Now, imagine if this story was happening t- three years ago and <laughs> it was underneath the Trump administration. Do we believe that people wouldn't be talking about this more? Do we believe that people wouldn't be up in arms about this if this was happening during a Republican administration? Because it feels as though the media kind of takes a nap during Democratic administrations. Mm -hmm. And let me say this, because I've had some people give me shit online about this recently, and no one who's probably watching this, but I just wanted to say it anyway. (laughs) People have been giving me a hard time recently for calling myself independent thought, because apparently the word independent can only be labeled as centrist. Uh, oh my to God. which I'm obviously not a centrist for no, anyone who no. knows anything about me. Um, so this is the reason why I can never find myself truly affiliated with either of these parties. Obviously, I'm not on the right. Republicans were never an option. This is the reason why I can't be involved with Democrats and why not the only reason, but just this is a big one. This actually was something that occurred also during the Obama administration. This is actually what first took me off that bandwagon. 2011, 2012, I was noticing that President Obama was re-extending the Patriot Act, was continuously yeah. to leave Guantanamo Bay open. We were engaging in more conflicts, Libya, Syria, the war in Iraq hadn't ended, the war in Afghanistan hadn't ended. By the way, these were all things he promised to do when he mm-hmm. was campaigning to get into office in 2008. That was my first election to vote in. I turned 18 like three months before the 2008 election. I was so excited to vote for somebody who was going to make our country better. I was also 17, 18 years old and didn't know shit. So I learned (laughs) very quickly that even with a filibuster proof Senate, there were still things that he was just not willing to do. And it changed my perception over those four years about who are the Democrats and the Republicans. And is it really a good or evil type of thing? And I think a lot of people are still stuck in this mindset where they think that yeah. the Democrats are actually the good guys. And I really yeah. need you to take that off. Just whatever yeah. that is, just just take it away, throw it away. <laughs> not the good guys. I'm sorry. Yeah. Like they're really not. We are now in another Democratic administration and Joe Biden is proving once again that he's completely cool with this. Yeah. He's completely cool with this. This yeah. is happening under his watch. You know, so I mean, I really think enough people just don't realize that the Democrats are not the good guys. Like you just, we get this into this tribalism with the media, you know, and I really need people to let that hit home that Mm -hmm. they're not really good people. They're just not, (laughs) they're just not like you, you might be able to find if you really tried 
maybe 10, maybe 15, that might be generous, people in either the Senate or the House that are legitimately there trying to help people. And that's out of 400, no, that's out of 535 people. Yeah, yeah, oh my God, oh my God. You know, so (sighs) last thing I just wanted to say about that is this is happening underneath a Democrat's watch. And that's something that I need people to remember as we're evaluating who to vote for in the primary elections, because we need to get better candidates and we need to be changing our voting system altogether because the way that we've been going about this is just not working, you know, especially as we're facing another election where it's probably going to be Biden versus Trump again. Is that even, it it shouldn't even be conceivable. And yet it's going to happen most likely. And I, I just want to like, Shove my head against the wall. Yeah, I know. Seriously. It's just like, it is. can I take a pill that will just put me to sleep for like the next five years? <laughs> you know, like, the Matrix is looking more and more appealing every day. I know. It really does. <laughs> just plug me right in. <laughs> I think I have a port somewhere now. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, I mean, it's funny because that appeal that you just made is very telling in that it shows kind of the differences in our audiences because I find that I, everyone on like in the deep anti-capitalist camp, yeah, they so vilify Democrats and Republicans, but Democrats, they almost attack them more harshly because they're supposed to be better, you know, which I get, I get why you would want to attack that. But, um, oh yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of always having to like make the case that like, you should engage in the in the you know voting system because you know the 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 differences between red and blue are still significant i mean to illustrate that there i guess a few years back um there was a letter written by 84 congressmen and women yeah and uh 80 of them were republicans and four of them were democrats um, and they were writing to um, the attorney general, Jeff Sessions, asking him about, like, can we basically count any kind of like dis- disruption of um, fossil fuel projects as domestic terrorism? And the Jessica Reznicek case came right after that. So this it was like a request almost it makes from... me think of those protests and what it was i think it was like north dakota south dakota yeah oh yeah, yeah. Oh, she was involved in the the dapple the pipeline protest yeah. i mean she's that comes right to mind yeah for sure and i need to shine more light on the, that story in the future but yeah i mean so they're both pretty goddamn evil both sides <laughs> and they're both captured by corporations they're captured by financial interests still i don't want people to turn away completely because then what will happen is we will see the fucking right rise to power like we've never seen before and yeah we can't have that it's a balancing act i think my reason for saying what i'm saying yeah is that you i think it's it's about viewing the whole the whole spectrum differently you know it's Mm -hmm. not a good guys and bad guys or whatever arbitrary kind of like framing you would put on it. It's a business transaction, you know, who is going to cause less harm. But I think, and so, yeah, I vote for Democrats at the moment because I feel as though 
they're going to cause less harm. But the grand yeah. scheme of things, they're still causing harm. So like we yeah. can't, <laughs> so it, it's, it's a really complex way of looking at it. You can't go into it thinking that these are good people who are trying to do the right thing. But you yeah. also have to realize that at the same time, like there are worse alternatives out there. Mm-hmm. Like Republicans would actually do more damage in my opinion. Yeah. But I yeah. think you also can't be complacent with the Democratic Party being the way it is. So while yeah. like I'm still voting for them occasionally in these yeah. in these <laughs> in these elections, still have to work to change what's happening there. I need we need to get different people in there in the first place through the primary system, changing the voting uh, method so that it's easier for people to run outside of the two party system, yep. that you don't mm-hmm. have to be in the Democratic Party in order to run in the first place like ranked choice voting, star voting, things of that nature, like that would really help so that someone doesn't have to be a Democrat to run and actually win in a local election, a state election, federal election. We we really need that. But in the meantime, we have to unfortunately play the game, which means continuing to put some of these assholes in office. But just I just want people to know, (laughs) like, that they're not good people like you know do what you <laughs> yeah. gotta do but but don't think of them as your hero you know yeah and, for sure yeah yeah don't they're, delude they're yourself actually, yeah don't delude yourself into thinking that like joe biden actually cares about you yeah and that False. he's going to actually save us from you know climate demise or no. from like the rise of fascism or any no. of that stuff i mean no they're down they're down yeah. for the cause you yeah. know <laughs> totally yeah uh i mean god this one Feel like this is a really fucking hot episode like I, I feel like we're both so riled up about these things um, i mean this is actually this is reason. pretty mid for me um this but, is mid for you. <laughs> this is pretty mid for me i mean as far as like i i could i could kick it up a couple extra notches i think can't wait to see that <laughs> oh man future. some of these some of these episodes i've done in the past doing the qualified immunity episode that i did oh, which yeah. came the week after Derek Chauvin oh my um, was was convicted wow. in April of 2021. Um, so that that one definitely had me in a different headspace. Uh, yeah. I think that was probably the one I was the most. Um, I, what's the word? I don't know what the right adjective is here, but I that was the one that I was the most worried about releasing. Oh, huh. Interesting. Yeah. Interestingly enough, of all the ones I've released. But because you were impassioned? People have this crazy, it's not crazy. They have an unnatural connection to the police. And yeah. I think it becomes from years of watching Law and Order <laughs> or, <laughs> or something adjacent. To be Lots fair, I grew up watching Law and Order. I loved SCU. I used to watch marathons of the stuff. I really did. Uh, but I think it's one of those things where Hollywood's different than reality. And we all know that, but sometimes we lose yeah. touch of that, you know? Yeah. I mean, you get this because like shows like that will paint this picture of like, they're the good people and they're always doing good and they never do anything wrong and they're always fighting for you. And that's not reality. Yeah, It's just yeah. not. I've had run in with corrupt cops in my life. I've seen what they do to people, you know, mm-hmm. like it's just, it's not the case. You know, the yeah. system is filled with people. Like, are there some people who are who are good people who are police officers. Yeah, but the system's also designed to insulate the ones who are abusing power to ever <laughs> receive any kind of accountability. So the yeah. system as a whole is complete trash, you know? Mm-hmm. And and so people 
people don't seem to really connect with that because they they connect with the good officer, the person in their family, or the one time they got pulled over where the cop yeah. let them go, or yeah. how the cop protected somebody in their neighborhood from something that happened. And so they only yeah. see the good. And so when you challenge that, I think people get lost in the emotions and they mm-hmm. don't allow themselves to like really hear what you have to say. And so talking about totally. subjects like that, sometimes I get a little worried that it might get lost in emotion and I yeah. won't be able to appeal to anyone's logic. Hmm. That's a, I mean, that's a good concern to have. Um, but I have a lot of faith in you getting lost in emotion about things because I feel like your, your heart is in the right place. Your mind's in the right place. Like I, I, I want to see you get riled up about something. <laughs> uh, I think it would be righteous and, and on point. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, I think, um, at some point in time, I might have to revisit some of the episodes I've done in the past because I think yeah. there were episodes I did when I had a smaller audience that just mm-hmm. didn't reach enough people. So I might want to just recycle the material and come back to it now that more people are listening to what I have to yeah. say, especially was... when it comes to the Boy Scouts. Oh, fuck. So, yeah, I forgot about that Not quite done story. with them yet. So, um, <laughs> But anyway, I, I want to just kind of like close this out by saying yeah. to everyone, uh, thank you for checking out our episode. And we will be sharing these again. I think we're still planning on doing this twice a month, right, Erica? Yeah, I think so. We're going to try to keep it up like that and see how it goes. But yeah. And if you liked yeah, this, you know, this episode in particular, please, you know, let us know. Uh, send out a DM to me, particularly to Erica on Instagram. And if you have any suggestions, let me know about that as well. And otherwise, um, yeah, that, those are my final thoughts. What are your final <laughs> thoughts, Erica? Um, just that I really appreciate everyone who is here listening, who is supporting us, who wants to see our work continue. We really fucking value you. And, you know, we wouldn't be able to continue this shit if other people weren't getting on board and helping us continue. So thank you so much. And I appreciate you so much, Desmond, for working on me with this. It's always such a joy talking to you, even though we always talk about some gnarly topics. So... I'm just glad there's other people out there that care. That really makes this all worth it. So thank you for being here as well. It really (laughs) does matter to me because, I mean, sometimes talking to myself in a room (laughs) with a pineapple behind me, it gets a little weird. So, (laughs) you know, sometimes it's just better to have somebody else in the room with you. So I want to clip that and put it online (laughs) with the pineapple there. So good. (laughs) Awesome, dude. Well, thanks so much. And uh, I can't wait to do the next one. (laughs) All right, everyone. See you in the next one. So that's the episode for this week. I hope that you enjoyed our collaboration. As I mentioned in the beginning, this is part of an ongoing series that we are doing over on Patreon. We had intended on keeping it to being exclusive to Patreon, but we also thought that it would be great just put it out on the main podcast that people kind of knew that it was there. So if people wanted to check out the other episodes and the upcoming episodes, definitely head over to Patreon so that you will not miss these future episodes that we are doing together. We have another one that we're doing this week and every other week for the foreseeable future. Uh, As well on my podcasts, I'm doing a news of the week segments on Patreon. This is where I just collect stories that I don't have time to talk about throughout the week on my podcast or on Instagram. I've been throwing those up onto Patreon as well. So that is additional 
content that will be available on Patreon if you decide to sign up. And to everyone who already has signed up, who's listening to this episode, thank you so much for supporting the podcast. This is going as far as it can, thanks to all the support from people like you. Thank you so much. And I will see you in the next episode.